Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. let everyone know we're going to be talking about several things today. This sermon has got three topics to it. The first topic is going to be our country, and everything that I talk about is going to have God intertwined in it. Um, So the first thing I'm going to talk about is our country. Second thing I'm going to talk about is salvation. Third thing I'm going to talk about is how to live a good life at the way God wants us to live it. I believe that the Bible is the Word of God, the Old and the New Testament. I believe that um, this Word provides us guidance for all living, living properly, and it's infallible, and taken together can provide us great insight as to how God would like us to live. But I will say to everyone listening today that God gives you a choice as to whether or not to believe his word. You don't have to believe it. You can believe it, but you don't have to. So please, with everything that I say, I'm going to speak from the Bible. You have a choice whether to believe it or not. Um, So I want to make sure that that's clear And then God gives us that choice. He does. So the first thing I want to talk about is our country. This week we celebrated the 4th of July Independence Day. used to be called Independence Day when I was younger. It uh, now has changed to the 4th of July, which may seem like a small thing, but it just then becomes just another day on our calendar. It's a holiday. We don't have to work. Um... But it's our Independence Day, and I want to talk a little bit about how this country was founded. So this country was founded based upon godly principles, and even our government that was set up is based upon godly principles. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about our government, and I'm not going to claim to be an expert in this area. I'm not. So I'm going to give you basic principles that are going to be generally correct. They may not be absolutely specifically correct, but they will be generally correct. So our federal government has three branches of government, three branches within the federal government. There's the legislative branch, there's the executive branch, and there's the judicial branch. The legislative branch is the branch that makes the laws, and that consists of two houses, the House of Representatives and the Congress, and for a law to be passed, Both houses of Congress have to pass it by a majority vote. 
Once that happens, and there's a lot of back and forth that go into all that, once that happens, then it goes to the, the head of the executive branch for signature. The head of the executive branch is the president. The president can choose to sign the law, or he or she can choose to not sign the law. If the president signs the law, it becomes effective in the law of the land. If the president chooses not to sign the law, it goes back to Congress, he vetoes the law, and then it takes a supermajority to overturn that veto. If they don't get a supermajority, the law does not go into effect. We have a third branch of government called the judicial branch, and the judicial branch basically interprets the laws that have been passed. And that inter those interpretations have historically effectively become law of the land. And there's a lot of judicial interpretations that get passed every year. Um, they, a lot of things that go up to the Supreme Court of the United States every year. And so probably one that everyone has heard of is the overturn of Roe v. Wade last year. And, and I'm not going to make this a political speech. I personally am very happy about that overturn, but that's not part of the speech. That's not part of what I'm talking about. The judicial system does um, interpret the laws of the land, and then they effectively become laws. Now, I will say this, that um, that particular model of um, government is modeled after... Isaiah 33:22, And I'm going to read that scripture. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. And he will save us. So that scripture talks about several things. God himself is the one that's in charge of all three branches of our government, of our lives. We, our founding fathers, were smart enough to know absolutely smart enough to know that we as human beings could not have the power that God has and make all the correct decisions. God can make correct decisions himself. He can be our king. He can be our lawgiver. And he can be our judge. He is all three. And he is going to make perfect decisions in every situation. We cannot. So our founding fathers found it proper to separate all three of those particular branches. And so it puts a little bit of, um, you don't have ultimate power to do anything. So that's sort of the thought process that went into the original government, and it makes sense. So now, our government and our country has changed quite dramatically. It has. It's changed dramatically over the last... 70 some odd years um, and I'm going to give you a few parallels as to where America was back in the 1950s and where America is today. There's a lot of differences um, and I think you'll agree probably with most, most of them because most of them are factual. So in the 1950s prayer in school was allowed. These are public schools they allowed prayer. Um, today, prayer is not allowed in public schools. And that's a factual comment. That's not necessarily up for too much debate. I think everybody would agree with that. The next one is there was 
less technology in the 1950s than there is today. Other things that I could say is there was less disposable income in the 50s than there is today, and I think that's probably correct. There was less things to draw our, our attention back in the 1950s than there is today. I think that is correct. The family unit was extremely strong back in the 1950s. I personally would argue that it's not as strong collectively today. That doesn't mean that individual family situations can't be strong. Of course they can. But I would say collectively what at least I've seen today is it's not as strong as it was back then. I would have to say that there's more things that are off-tangent from what I believe God would have us do today um, in this country than there was back then. I would describe my opinion of activity in America today um, as anything goes. And that may be a bit of an exaggeration, but I think that most people would agree that you can do a lot of things that Certainly, I would say the Bible does not find appropriate. Not just are you allowed to do it, but in some cases it's celebrated. Um, the government is celebrating some things that, whether you agree with it or not, it's one thing, but that the Bible says that you're not allowed to do. And I'm going to be very honest with you. The Bible is very specific. The Bible does believe in order and family God does believe in that, in my opinion. His Bible, his word says that. The family is really important. The only intimate relationships that are allowed and supported by God are those between a man and his wife. Obviously, the laws of the land don't necessarily agree with that, but God's word does say that. It's absolutely a fact, and he's very specific about that. And so... It's a bit of a warning that, you know, if we are not um, following those commandments, and I would say we're probably not following them much more today as a country than we were back then, that God is not supportive of it. And ultimately, ultimately, God will not allow that to go on forever. That's my opinion. Now, having said that, God is graceful and gracious and merciful. Um, he is. He is gracious to forgive. Forgiveness is not, God, forgive me, and then tonight I go back to do the same thing I did yesterday. That's not what I'm talking about. Forgiveness is truly repenting from doing wrong and asking God to forgive you. The great news about God is he's perfect and he's forgiving, um, Diane said chesed was something that was very important, and chesed is very important. Grace, God is so graceful that he forgets your sins. The book of Hebrews in several places indicates that. So if you ask God for forgiveness, he will forgive you, and he will remember your sins no more. So that's the good news. Now let's talk about sort of what happens to the nation if God is their Lord, God's very clear. And he says in Psalms 33:12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. If we are not following the Lord, but we are 
and we are adamant about mocking the Lord, God's word also very clearly states in Isaiah 5, verse 20, woe to them that call evil good and good evil. And it's absolutely clear. You, I hear people all the time out in the world, in our country, being very happy about ungodly things and congratulating people for ungodly things. That's wonderful. That's great. You don't like your husband, so you find a new boyfriend. You don't like your wife, so you find a new girlfriend. I hear people saying, that's fantastic. You've got rid of your, gotten rid of your wife and gotten somebody new that you like better. That's evil. And God says, woe to them that call evil good and good evil. So I think our country, personally, I think the country needs to move back to the way we were when we were closer to God. Now, I'm thankful for all the believers that we have and for people living for God. But I also want to say the next part of what I want to talk about is no matter how good you are, you cannot be perfect. You cannot. None of us are perfect. Only God is perfect. And so I'm going to give you some examples. You might say to me, I've never done any of those things that you just mentioned. And you may not have. You absolutely may not have. But have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? And you say, no, I've never stolen. So let me just give you an example of something that I have experienced over the past five years. So there's a very, very common food chain here in America. And there's a line that you have and you get your food and you go and then they charge you the amount at the end of the line. Well, for the first couple of years, every time I went there, and I went there all the time, I always got double chicken. Double chicken. Love double chicken. I don't know how much more double chicken costs than regular chicken, but it costs more. And they tell you right up front, if you want double chicken, it's whatever it is, $2.95 more, $2.50, whatever it is. So I go through the line, double chicken, every time. Probably about 30% of the time, maybe 40, but 30 to 40% of the time, they forget to put the red tag next to my bowl that says that I have double chicken. So I go up and going to pay for my meal and I ring it up. There's no red tag, so there's no double chicken. So they, read, they come back and they say, your total is $8.72. And so I say to them, I had double chicken. And so they look at me like I'm from the moon. No one's ever told me that they had double chicken. They just paid for what I told them to pay for. And so you're stealing that chicken. Right on the sign, double chicken. I mean, I know it doesn't sound like it. Or have you ever gone to a restaurant with one of your family members and you see right up there a soda is $2 or whatever it is, doesn't matter. And, you know, water's free, fine, no problem. So you get one Coke and one water. And you go and whoever is the people that are drinking the Coke, fill it up, they drink it, no problem. And you're sitting down and the other party just, uh, instead of drinking some of their water, they drink some of the Coke. 
and happens all the time. The servers know it. They don't say anything. They know it, but you know that's wrong. So again, these are little things, but no matter how much we do in our entire lives, we can't be perfect. We just can't be. God knows that. He knows it. He might even sin unknowingly. You might be trying as hard as you can, but you might miss one time, so you've made a mistake. It happens. Um, and so God knows that. He knows we're not perfect. We need two things to live. We absolutely have to have oxygen, and we have to have blood. And so God decided, not me, this is God, decided that blood was going to be the atonement for your souls. This is Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. So God chose blood, and he chose that through sending the Messiah who shed his blood as atonement for our souls. And very simply, if we accept that atonement, we have salvation. If we choose to not accept that atonement, we don't have salvation. This is talking about the Messiah. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. So most of the world doesn't know the Messiah. Most of them don't. When my daughter was 11, she just said to me, Dad, how could they not? And I said, they don't. It's true. Most people that you talk to say, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in it. And I don't like people telling me. You're absolutely welcome to not believe in it. You absolutely are. And most people don't. You're in the majority. He came to his own and most of his own don't believe it. He came to the Jewish people, and most of the Jewish people don't believe it. But as many as received him, to them he, became, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. It's all it takes. Just believe in that salvation, and it's yours. It's free. doesn't matter how much money you have, you can't buy it. doesn't matter how little money you have, you can have it. It's absolutely free. But you have to accept that. So that's the simple message. That salvation. Believe that the blood is atonement for your sins and that Messiah Yeshua was raised for you from the dead and you will be saved. Believe it and confess it and you'll be saved. That simple. Okay, now let's talk about how do we live. You say, okay, I already believe that. I get it. Or I don't believe it. But now how do we live? How does God want us to live? Okay, Colossians 3, 12. Be kind. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. So every day you've got interactions. Every single day. You've got them at work. You've got them outside of work with whatever you do. And being kind is really important. And you especially, especially if you are a professing believer, being kind is extra important. So I don't know if you remember, but a few weeks back, we met in another location. And many of us were asked to show up at 12 o'clock. And I was one of the ones that was asked to show up at 12 o'clock. 
So I was, um, had my whole day planned out, planned out perfectly. Place I'm going to get some lunch, opens up at 1045, get the lunch, be the first one in the line, get that lunch, and I leave there at 1132. I get to the place at 12 o'clock, and I help set up the situation. So I get there, and it's 1045, and the door is locked, and I knock on the door, manager of the place comes out, completely stressed. Her day is completely already in bad shape. She's not open yet. She says, I'm sorry, I'm not open yet, but I am going to open in a few minutes. No problem if you want to stay. Yep, fine. Sit in my car, wait for them to open. At 10.48, one of the employees shows up. I doubt he was scheduled to start his workday at 10.48. My guess is he probably was scheduled to start his workday at 10 o'clock, came in late. Adding to the manager's stress, she's completely stressed. Opens up at 11.15. I'm the first customer. She's waiting for the blast from me. She's just waiting for it. I can blast her. She interrupted my day. I was scheduled. I have a big thing to go to. I've got to go serve the Lord. Got to be there at 12 o'clock. Put a, put a big creek in my plans. So I walked up, went through the line, and I said to her, she's completely stressed. I can see it in her face. I said to her, I said, thank you for serving me. I really, really appreciate it. She exhaled. He didn't yell at me. I mean, it's a simple thing. It's a simple thing. I'm going to proclaim the Lord, and I'm about to yell at somebody that may not know the Lord. How crazy is that? You're, you're God's representatives. Show people what God's representatives are like. It's going to interrupt your day. Life is going to come forth. You can still be kind to people. You can, and you need to be, and I need to be. I'm preaching to myself here, too. This is a hard one. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I can't forgive them. I can't. You don't know what they've done to me. You can't. I know what they did to you was wrong. I get it. Very simply, God forgave you. You forgive them. And I don't mean forgive them and hold a grudge, really. I mean really forgive them. If they are hungry, give them something to eat. If they are down, give them a good word. Do not hold a grudge. This one's really important, and this one's really, really hard. I mean really, really hard. We all struggle with this one. But at the end of the day, God is asking us to forgive them as he has forgiven us. And I will say this. I don't know about you, but I think I know most people here that God has forgiven us so much more than we have to forgive others. So much. It's, what we've done is so much worse than what people generally have done to us. So, so forgive people, and I mean really forgive people. Let mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them upon your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. So this one's a really important one. Tell the truth. Do not lie. 
God hates a liar. Lying is really, really bad. Sometimes the truth is going to be disadvantageous to you. If you are a merchant and you're selling product and there's a default in that product and generally what happened is you're smart, you know the product and you've gotten a good deal on that product. Gotten a really good deal and you know that you don't have to pass that along to the customer. Because the customer doesn't know as much about your product that you know. You got a good deal because that product is substandard. And you say, well, who's going to know? Everybody does it. Everybody does. It's true. Most everybody does do it. But that doesn't mean you have to do it. Don't take advantage of your customers. Don't cheat them. And some people go as far as to say, um, there's, no, there's no defect in that product. Customer may, may even ask, is there any defect in this product? No, there's not. You know there is. So I'm going to tell you a story that recently happened to me. So if you go to... If you go to um, Paris and you go out to eat, pretty much everywhere you go says in French, at the bottom of every menu, the charge includes tax and service. So the waiters and waitresses are smart. They hear you when you speak to them, even if you're trying to speak French. That's an American. That's not a French person. They're trying, or maybe they're not. Maybe they're just speaking English. They're trying, but they're an American. And guess what? We know that in America, in America, the service charge is not included in your total. And we know that typically, again, there's, there's differences, but typically people will tip between 15 and 20% of the total. So, first thing that happens when a they bring you the check, and they now have it where they bring the credit card machine with the check, and they say, would you like to add a tip? So, just for grins, I typically say to people, when I'm there, well, I thought the menu said that the service is included in the total. And the responses vary, um, but... The responses vary so far. The ones that I've gotten, um, some may say yes, but I, ha- I never got a yes that's included in there. I got a um, no, it's not included. says it is, but it's not. That was the most common response I got is no, it's not included. I got a response, oh, it's, about, it's only 5%. You're an American, so you need to tip another 10% on top of that. Um, I got responses... Well, you can add a tip if you want. That was the closest thing I got to the truth. Um, And so, you know, that's not right. It's taking advantage because the prices are higher because the service is included. Be honest with people. Be truthful with people. Some people I know have can't tell the truth, but that's a real problem with God. And so if you have that problem... You should repent 
and work to get against it. God does not like a liar. It's bad. And it's a bad witness for those that claim to know the Lord and they are speaking with people that don't because you're no different than them. You're no different. Don't cheat on your taxes. Don't cheat your customers. Don't lie. It's another scripture that covers that. God really is happy if you tell the truth. And it may cost you. It may. Another one, Ephesians 4.25. Let's go to the next scripture because I want to talk to you about that. God doesn't want you to be stressed out. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about your career. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean don't work hard. Do work hard. Do the best you can. Involve God in everyday living. But once you do that, don't be anxious about it because he doesn't want you to be. He wants you in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to ask God. Ask God. He will help you. He will give you the peace. He will direct your paths. He will open up what he has for you. And he will shut down what he has, what he doesn't have for you. And what he opens up and he puts forth is the best thing for you. It's the best. It's really the best. And no matter how smart he has made you, he still knows more than you. He knows what's better for you. And he has a plan for you. The question is, will you fill out and fulfill the plan that he has for you? That's the question. And the plan is, be anxious for nothing. Ask God to, to show you what he wants you to do, and he will show you the right thing. He will. It's going to happen. You'll be amazed at the people that he puts in your path. They may not even know why they're in your path, but he will put them there. He's such a good God. He's an amazing God. So now, here's what God tells you to do. Here's the blueprint. It's very easy. Whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, is there any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on them. Think about them. Good things, family, children, grandchildren. Be good. Think about good things. It will change your life. And that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be upset. Now, let's go back to what I talked about when I first started. I said there's a Savior. It's Messiah. His name's Yeshua. He sits at the right hand of God the Father. His blood was shed for us. If we receive it, we are saved. If we don't receive it, we're not. And you say, okay, what, what difference does that make? What difference does it make if I receive it or not? I'm a pretty good person. Okay, you know, I made some mistakes. Everybody does. I'm better than most people. The difference is, is that God is perfect. And if you make the choice not to accept his atoning plan of salvation, you will end up 
in a place that you don't want to end up. I, I don't know what you mean. I mean, there's tunnels that will send you to the center of the earth. It's a horrible decision. It's a terrible decision. I do not want to go there. I'm not going to go there. I don't want to. And you don't want to go either. So I am going to ask you, if you will, to consider that. And if you would like to make a commitment to God and to Yeshua, then please do so. It's very simple. All you need to do is say, Lord God, I know that you're perfect, and I know that I've fallen short of your glory. And I know that you sent a sacrifice for me, the Messiah Yeshua. And I know it's his blood that provides atonement. And Lord, I want that. I want to accept that, Lord. And Lord, forgive me for my sins. I repent for what I've done wrong. And confess that with your mouth. Tell somebody. Pray that. Confess that. Tell somebody. And very simply, God's word says you will be saved. And that's the message for today. Believe God's word, accept God's word, and then once you do, live for God. Repent for your sins, and he will remember them no more. And when you make a mistake, repent immediately, and the Lord will forgive you. He will. And forgive others, please, just like God forgave you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.